Hi, this is Craig Timmon. Thank you for joining me today. We are going to hear what the Lord has to say. He tells us each time we get together how we can walk through in our Christian life, how we can overcome difficulties. He gives us encouragement. He challenges us. Where are we each time when we get together? Where, where are we in our walk? And today is no different. Actually, we're going to be talking about living in the wilderness. That, that's the title of today's message. Living in the wilderness of life. Now, what, what does that really mean, living in the wilderness? Is it physically living in the wilderness? Living off the land? Uh, uh, survivalship? Yeah. Are we out there earning our Boy Scout merit badges? Because, you know, they have to do that to get that badge. But if that's not it, how about living in spiritual wilderness? You're feeling alone. You're feeling vulnerable. Life just seems to be treating you rotten right now. God appears to have abandoned you. Well, maybe it's the other way around. Did you abandon God? What are you suffering from? And I want to explore that right away here. We're going to explore the issue of suffering here for just a few minutes. See, most people typically will come from one of two type of angles on this topic. The first group seems to be the philosophers. They're looking for answers to life's big questions. They see the state of the world and they ask, how could a good God let it get so bad? How could he do that? If he's so good, how could he let it be so bad? Now, the second group, that's typically the sufferers. And those are from the depths of despair. They have broken hearts. They're tired eyes. They're tired of trying to look for God. They they're, they're, have, have called out to God, asking him all the time, Why is this happening to me? Why do we suffer? Well, the simple answer to this why question is this, the age-old enemy. It's sin. Genesis tells us that God created our world and it was very good. And that's his words in scripture. The world was very good what he had done. Now, humanity lived in perfect relationship with God at that time. The world and with one another, there, everything was just a utopia. It was a perfection. But everything changed with the fall of man that's told in Genesis 3. Sin entered the world and like a like, like a stone flung into a glass it shattered God's good creation his very good creation and from that time on we've lived in a world subjected to frustration pain death tears anguish and they're just as common as smiles joy and, and laughter there's just really no difference anymore in society suffering is a consequence of living in a broken and hurting world. Listen to that. Suffering is a consequence of living in a broken and hurting world. Now, if you ask most people where Adam was created, they'll say, ah, the Garden of Eden. But Adam was not actually created in the garden. God created him in the wilderness and then created the garden and placed Adam there to take care of it. And I'm sure you know the story of the Israelites wandering the desert for 40 years, a whole generation. Yes, wandering in the wilderness, 
40 years. Could you imagine? They had many encounters with God, and they utterly failed each time. They cried out, we're hungry. God heard their cries, and he sent them manna from heaven to feed them. And then they cried out again, we're thirsty. And God heard them again and gave them water from a rock, for goodness sakes. We want meat. Well, God heard them, and he sent them so much quail to eat, they didn't able to eat them all. Now, these few miracles and so many more of them are recorded in the Bible still didn't satisfy the Israelites. They just kept whining more and more and more. Kind of like that Snoopy. Wah, 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 whining all the time. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? That's a three-year-old from the back seat when you're going on a trip, right? But the Israelites, they still didn't believe. All they could remember were some of the pleasures of Egypt that they received. All the while forgetting they had God with them in the wilderness. They weren't alone. Let's think about that moment, this wandering thing. See, it was hard for the Israelites to get out of Egypt. And it's hard for Christians to get out of the grip of the world because it will pursue you. Yes, it will. This world will pursue you endlessly, trying to drag you down into hell, just as the Israelites struggled to get out of Egypt. And when they finally left, they felt that they were just wandering around in the wilderness, wandering and wondering why they left the securities of slavery in the first place. Just kept whining. Now, they weren't just aimlessly wandering, though. They were actually following, if you think about it. Okay, Craig, what, what do I mean by that? On their journey, they followed a pillar of fire that God provided for them. When the pillar stopped, they stopped and they set up camp. And when the fire moved, they packed up and followed it again. This continued for the entire time that they were on the move. And the scriptures also said that their shoes never rotted off their feet. Could you imagine that walking for that many years and your shoes never wearing out? Shoe business, shoemaking would be out of business. It's not like they stopped and set up a cobbler shop and had to make new shoes. No, there is not one thing in scripture I've ever seen that said their shoes wore out. And their clothes never wore out either. And this went on 40 years. They never had anything wear out. And they were encountering God on a daily basis while in the wilderness. They met him every day. They heard from him every day. Now consider a moment the life of Jesus Christ. How much of it took not place in a city, but in the wilderness. Christ was born in a manger, in the wilderness, surrounded by animals of all things. He wasn't born in the comforts of the hospital. And after his baptism, Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days to prepare for himself for ministry. He purposely went into the wilderness. And we try to avoid it. He purposely went into it to prepare. He, Jesus was transfigured on Mount Tabor in the wilderness. He was crucified outside the city. Jesus was buried outside the city. Not inside, outside the city. And he rose from the dead outside the city. And on the day of Christ's resurrection, he was on the road to Emmaus. Jesus met up two disciples who were discussing their disappointments and the current problems regarding what had taken place. And the road that they were on actually was leading them away from Jesus' followers in Jerusalem.
They were heading in the wrong direction. They were heading out of the city and into the wilderness. They were heading the wrong way. Now, these two disciples, they didn't recognize who Jesus was at first while they were walking. And Jesus finally asked them, he says, what are you discussing together as you walk along? That's Luke 24, 17. And they shared with this man their sorrows and their discontent and their sadness. And then Jesus treated them to an eye-opening Bible lesson as he explained the Old Testament and how it had been fulfilled by his suffering and his death and his resurrection. Now, we too are likely to miss Jesus and the strength found in other believers by walking in the wilderness by ourselves. We think when we end up in the wilderness, we're by ourselves, but we are not. See, this can happen when we become so preoccupied with our dashed hopes and our frustrated plans. We miss who he is and what he is trying to say to us. We feel alone when we miss it. He's right there with us. You see, often in the wilderness we find ourselves that it's a dangerous place. It's, it's fraught with danger and apprehensions and vulnerability and all those other things that are danger for us. And out there we are usually the prey or the victim if we're not careful. See, we're always dancing around worries and anxieties about about the world, our, our nation, our state, our city, even our church. And life can feel like a desert sometimes. But how much of it is really actually the wilderness? I want to take another quick moment here, and I want to look at the beginning of Luke 4. This is after Jesus is baptized. He is directed purposely into the wilderness. And verse 1 and 2 says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, he left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. The devil, who also tempted Adam and Eve, he was now going to be tempting Jesus in the wilderness, in his domain, in his, his court, so to say, you know. He was on the home court having him out in the wilderness, he thought. The devil has succeeded with Adam and Eve on his very first try. This time, though, he had number one, the prime target for all of his temptations. He had the number one ranked Jesus. The first time with Adam and Eve, he had a two-for-one special. But this time, it's only one person. Pah, easy peasy. My goodness, if I can handle two... I can take care of one. Satan is not a symbol or an idea. He is a real being, but a rebellious, angelic being. The devil is constantly fighting with God and all of those who follow him and, and, and want to obey him. So might you say that when we feel the Holy Spirit is leading us, it will be or it should be beside the quiet waters to listen for him. That's what it says in Psalm 23, too. Is that what it's all about? Well, as we know, this is not how it happens. Not very often, anyway. The Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit here, he led Jesus into the wilderness for a long and difficult time of testing. He just may also want to lead us into difficult situations for testing and nurturing and training. See, I want to remind you that when facing trials, first... Make sure you haven't brought them upon yourself through sin or some other crazy, kooky, unwise choice that you made. 
And if you find no sin to confess or any unwise actions to try to change, well, then you ask God Almighty to strengthen you for your test in the wilderness. Now, many times we're tempted not through our weaknesses, but actually through our strengths. See, the devil tempted Jesus where he was the strongest. So why would we ever think that that wouldn't happen to us if we're following Jesus with all of our heart? Now, the devil knows that when we wrongly use our strengths, we become, we become uh, proud and totally self-reliant and a little bit of arrogance. Like, I don't need anybody else. I've got this figured out myself. Trusting in our own abilities, we feel a little need for God sometimes, many times actually. But how can we avoid this devilish trap? We must always remember that all of our strengths are from God. And we must dedicate those strengths to His service. All of our strengths are from God. Dedicate those for His service. Now, during the 40 days of temptation that Jesus endured, I don't recall anything saying in there about that He ate. I think it was fasting and I don't believe he ate anything. So at the end of those 40 days, what do you think? Pretty hungry? Yep, I know I surely would be. Oh, verse 3 says, The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Well, Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. So the devil, the devil then led him up to a high place, and he showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, I will give you all their authority and their splendor. It has all been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be all of yours. Jesus then said, it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And now verse 9, The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from there. For it is written, he will command his angel concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus went on to say, It is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And verse 13, when the devil had finished all this tempting, poof, he left. Okay, hold, hold it. I got to back up. Hold it right there. I... Something here we have to really preface here. I, I want to remind you all that the, the, the devil knows Scripture too. I mean, he's not foolish at all here. He knows Scripture too. Remember what he did to Adam and Eve in the garden? He quoted Scripture. But as we look at verses 9 through 11 that we just read, he didn't misquote the Scripture. What He misrepresented it, just as he did in the Garden of Eden. So he's not lying or tricking or changing. He's quoting it. He just tweaks it and misrepresented it enough to cause us to think, well, maybe that's not exactly what God meant. Never go up against Satan or argue with him in your own strength, it says. Right? You will fail. Instead, do what Jesus did. Rely on the true intention of Scripture to defeat Satan's temptation. Use the scripture, the truth of it, to overcome those temptations. But in this place that we're in that we call the wilderness is also the place where we can encounter God. We're not alone, like I said. 
And when we meet him, we get to meet him face to face there. Just like the Israelites did back in there for 40 years every day. They got to meet him. We get to meet him in the wilderness. When we consider being in the wilderness, we are going to encounter God. Just like the two disciples I shared with you earlier in Luke 24, they encountered God. They were walking out of the city. They were walking to the wilderness. And they had an encounter with God directly, face to face. As a result of meeting God in all these kind of times, we will see significant changes occur in our life. All we have to do is be aware of it, to look for it. He's there. And he's waiting to be found. Find him. Listen to him. Romans 8.28 says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I, I don't know why your parents may have got divorced or why your brother is sick or why you may have lost your sister or why you feel so depressed. I'm, I, I, I don't know that. But your suffering is God's blessing. Although you might not be able to see that right now. We don't see it when we're in the midst of it. But perhaps through your so-called suffering, God is molding you in preparation to enjoy his gift of eternal life with him. He's preparing you in your ministry to be with him. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about, think about that? He is molding you in preparation to enjoy his gift of eternal life with him. In Revelations 21, 1 through 5. Now the dwelling of God is with man, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. As a final encouragement here, I want to urge you to fix your eyes on the cross of Jesus, the ultimate example of where God used evil for good. Jesus endured the cross, scorning the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's Hebrews 12, 2. This had to happen. It had to happen to ultimately fulfill the scriptures stated it had to happen for us. Now, the church, you, and, and all of us have a place prepared by God. And it includes the wilderness sometimes. We have to walk through the wilderness. But when we're there, we get to encounter God. He is there with us. We are not alone in the wilderness. This wilderness of life, we are not alone. He is there. We get to encounter him. One-on-one, -on -one, face to face. And this is where God prepares us for our ministries. It is where we are transfigured with the living God. So don't fear the wilderness. Don't fear it. Instead, prepare yourself to receive what God has waiting for you there and grab onto it with wide open arms and don't look back. Don't look back. Lord, thank you for this message today. Thank you to affirm us that we are not alone in the wilderness that we find ourselves sometimes. Sometimes we put ourselves there. And sometimes you want us there because you have something special for us and you need our undivided attention. 
Lord, strengthen us and let us hear you and let us see you when we're in those times. And let us enjoy all of the blessings every day, not just when we have to have it in the wilderness. Every day when things are going great for us, Lord, we give you great thanks. We give you praise. We give you the glory. And we bow down to you each day to be our Savior and our Almighty God. Blessings to you. Thank you for listening. And may God answer what you need from him today. Amen.